I'm Michelle and I'm back for season two of Get Mouthy from the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. Talking about cancer is important, but it doesn't have to be dull or depressing. So join me as I chat with some of the most interesting people I know who are all linked to the fight against head and neck cancers, either personally or professionally. So hello, everybody, and welcome back. Today, I'm speaking um, with Nikki Glencross, who is a fundraiser for the charity. We'll find out more, a bit more about that. Nikki um, sadly lost her father very recently to head and neck cancer, and she's since used her passion of netball, which I have to say, Nikki, netball is strikes the horrors in me from when I was at school because I was so rubbish at it. But anyway, <laughs> Nikki's got a passion for netball, and she used that passion to help us um, raise some funds for the work that we do. So how are you? Have you recovered from the ball? Nikki came to our ball with her mum. Good morning. Um Yes, yes, I have recovered. It did take a couple of days, um, but yeah, what an absolutely phenomenal evening. Thank you for the invite. No, you're most welcome. So thanks for coming on. So I guess let's sort of get straight in there because that's how you came in contact with us really, uh, was about your dad. So when was your, your father first diagnosed? He was first diagnosed back in, oh, I think it was 2018 um, when he was living in France had a noticed a lump in his throat you know when he was swallowing and he was diagnosed over there received radiotherapy and was sort of given the all clear you know it worked brilliant um and then he moved they my mum and dad moved um back to England um quite locally and it was within I think three months of them moving back here to be you know with the family that he noticed again something wasn't quite right so um tests um scans diagnosis again in December 2019, January 2020, um, and in February of that year. So just before COVID hit, we were quite lucky in that respect. It was just before lockdowns. Um, He had the full laryngectomy. um, And yeah, so was dealing with recovering from that. So, you know, it's major surgery, um, but nothing was really quite right again. And then it was January of this year, um, you know, m- more tests. He, he, bless him, he'd spent all that time, you know, not feeling quite right, recovering from surgery. But then I think basically it had come back again um, in a different place, this time sort of towards the back of his neck near his spine. Um, so we received that sort of prognosis in January of this year. Um, and sadly, he passed away at the end of May. Wow. And did when they when he had his... That last diagnosis, did they say it was terminal then? Did they say, yeah, so you... It was, I think, you know, it, it was the third time it, it, it come back. Um, I mean, I understand from my research with sort of head and neck cancers, it is quite common that they yeah. they return. Um, um, yeah, I think it was a quite, quite a big um, part of it was to do with the position. It was so close to his spinal cord. Um, and near some really major arteries, and it and it was to do with those arteries um, that that he passed away. But we were very very lucky that he had some radiotherapy again, some treatment, and he actually had for the first time in about two years, I think it was about six eight weeks where he felt well. Oh, that was really before good. he yeah. became very poorly quite quickly. So you as a family have had sort of. You've this has been a big thing in your lives then for since the first diagnosis. Yeah. So yeah. when it when you first had it in you said, I think you said twenty eighteen, like they were overseas as well, they were in France. Yeah. How did, how did you feel about that? That first diagnosis? 
Was that a shock? shock? To be honest, oh, massively. Um, it was unfortunate that just before his diagnosis, my mum had got the all clear from some skin cancer she had surgery to remove. So she sort of went through something, and then it was it was not long at all before then my dad got his diagnosis. But I think for us, it was you know it was his it was his throat. So I was like, well. That's a new, you know, he doesn't smoke. He's never smoked, very anti-smoking. And I always, you know, naively thought that, you know, things like throat, mouth, yeah, what to do with, be you know, primarily smokers. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was a massive shock, absolutely massive shock. Gosh. And then, so then you all sort of felt great. He's not, it's gone. Yeah. And then it happened again. And yeah. was that, was that different? I'm just thinking how it would fit, how that feels it was different, you know, it was, I think we found out just before Christmas when he went for the, the results of, you know, he'd have scans and things. Um, it was just before Christmas. I remember it vividly where I was at the time. Luckily, I was with my sister, um, but I broke down in the middle of town. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think I, I fell to the floor. Um, it had come back again in a slightly different place, but that they'd said you have to have the, the full laryngectomy yeah. which for him uh, you know as a family but for him he's massive booty and the thought of you know not being able to eat properly yeah um again was was you know to some people you know so small but for, for him especially yeah. it was huge um and yeah then the, the surgery so not nine ten hours of of major surgery yeah um and then a very long recovery, which yeah. was never really a full recovery. No, was never. I, I think liked. that's the thing that with head and neck cancers, because of where they're located, wherever mm. they're located in your head or neck, I think the common thing is, is you sort of think the surgery's over and done with, mm. but it's the after, isn't it? And things like eating is such a big thing because it's such a social thing, yeah. you know. And I think, and that's when you're talking about family time, friends time. And yep. if that's massively impacted by the, your ability to eat, mm. I think certainly loads of our patients talk about that, the sort of the depressingness of that, of not being yes. able to sit with your family and eat and go out because you might, yep. because of the way you might have to eat may be embarrassing. You might feel embarrassed about it, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I think it's those things that people, you don't think about. You would just think about getting rid of the cancer, don't you? You don't think yeah. about like the long term, you know. Yeah. So it was quite a sort of a a long journey, sort of, but with bumps in it, wasn't it? His sort of his journey. It was, and like I said, he was never, you know, from after that surgery, he was never. There was always something. You yeah. know, he was readmitted to hospital a few times with infections and things just not quite being right, which is, you know, unfortunate. But sometimes that happens, doesn't it, with any kind of of surgery? Um. And yeah, then the symptoms, you know, other symptoms started to appear, which were were tricky for the medical profession because he'd gone such a long period with all these different symptoms. I think it took a, a little while for them to realise actually it's not to do with the the previous surgery. This is actually something new now. This yeah. is it come back. So yeah. it was, you know, differentiating and um, yeah, but. How did you all cope with it as a family? How was it for your mum? Must have been dreadful. Yeah, um, very much 
power through, <laughs> I think. Um, it, it, you know, it, it was really tough, you know, ups and downs, obviously mainly downs. Yeah. Mum, you know, from his diagnosis at the beginning of this year was, you know, that was her, that was her caring then at that point. Yeah. Um, so she, you know, she took on that role. You know, we we helped out, you know, as much as we could. Um, I, I'd go and work over there for the day, for example, just so I could be there, you know, with all the medication, etc. It's, you know, it's tiring um, for her. Um, but very much also trying to, you know, the, the, the positives when there's a good day, you know, take yeah. advantage of that, really try and do and, and think of the positives. It's, it's, it's so cliche, but I think it's what you have to try to do just to try and, you know, get through. Yeah, get through it. And so that for your mum, was she, was she, were they retired, your mum and dad? Or was yes. your mum, yeah, they were, oh, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like it impacted on her job or, because that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, it's like suddenly you become a full-time carer, aren't you? Yeah, no, she's lucky in that respect. And when they moved back over from France, they actually moved um, into a lodge in my sister's garden. Um, it's yeah. much fancier than it sounds. Um, but so they were, they were right next door to my sister, yeah. which was, you know great and you know I'm only 20 minutes away so really grateful for the fact that they were the last couple of years so close yeah that's fantastic because it would have been dreadful if they were still overseas that's such a hard thing to manage so let's get to the netball tournament because this was the big (laughs) thing that you did for us um uh in memory of your dad so tell tell me about your net your netball journey did you play at school and stuff like that yeah, I played at secondary school um, for a few years. I don't remember being particularly great at it. I remember enjoying it. Um, and I was always quite tall. I was one of the yeah. taller ones at school. So I think that, you know, was a benefit. Um, but no, I I signed up to a social league. I think it was 2019. Um, myself and my neighbour got put together with about seven other you know, random local girls who had also signed up individually. We were sort of put together as a team and we just started playing in this social league on a Tuesday night. Um, we played, you know, quite badly at the start, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, you know, we, we'd never never met before, never played before. And most of us were in a very similar position that we'd not played for a very long time. Um, so it was nice. And yeah we are you know we still play every Tuesday night that's lovely Mm -hmm. so then where did this idea come from um I'm very much a and I think a lot of people are you know when when dad got the the diagnosis um this year it was you know you feel helpless as a family member there's you know there's nothing you can do to to sort of change it um but I was very much I need to do something and I've done fundraising bits and bobs before, um, you know, the, the 5Ks in the park and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I just felt like I, I needed to do something. I wanted to do something. Um, and I wasn't sure what. And then just suddenly I thought, well, netball, what what can I do? And I thought about a, a 24-hour shoot-a-thon because I'm a shooter. Um, but I decided on a tournament because... There aren't any locally. There haven't been, certainly for the last few years. So I thought, yeah, I, I can do that. I've, you know, I, I, I train um, 
go to the back to netball um, on a Thursday evening. I, I, I did when that was on. You know, I've got some contacts. I, I know, you know, all the teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I mentioned it to my dad and I just said, you know, this is what I'm doing. Uh, what, was he, what did he think? He must have been very proud of you. Yes, he was. Um, I I looked up um, the charity online, yeah. um, but then I decided, actually, I think I think he should decide who the money goes to. So I'd found you and I'd said, you know, they're a really small charity. Um, but look at, you know, look at the type of stuff that they do. And so, yeah, he 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 also, you know, chose you as well. Um, and and that's when it started, really. Um, it's too late to back out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's such a it was such a huge thing, wasn't it? I mean, this is it a, was a big thing. It was. And I wish someone had told me that, you know, <laughs> I don't think you would never have done it otherwise, would you? Because <laughs> it's. It was such a, when I sort of saw the size of it, I was just like, gosh, you know, and actually you've got loads of press and stuff like that as well, didn't you, on it? I so did, it, was, it yeah. became like a big thing. Did you do, you did um, BBC, did you be like a BBC local radio or something like that? Yeah, BBC Radio Nottingham got in touch with me. I think they'd, I, I think they'd seen the article in the local newspaper yeah. um, and they got in touch with me. So me and mum, actually on my mum's birthday in August, um, popped over to Nottingham and, and sat and had a chat with them about it which was which was great yeah and so how tell us tell us about the tournament so how many people how many teams played um so there were 11 teams in total um from Newark Nottingham Lincoln um it's I was very very grateful that the venue um, gave us a, a, a discounted rate for the for the day. You know, I explained it was for charity. Um, also very grateful that one of my netball contacts friends also runs her own events company. So she's very used to organising. Um, so she was my rock um, from the from the very start yeah. in helping me. Um, and yeah, obviously we had to change the dates, unfortunately. Um, but the day came all the teams arrived it was just the atmosphere was was amazing it was really really amazing um and I was playing as well for my team um yeah we 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 didn't have enough spare players so I kind of had to play um luckily I think it was actually by coincidence that my team had our our break at the beginning so I had about 45 minutes to settle into it and everything and and get everything you know up and running before I actually had to hit the court um but it it, yeah it it flew by on the day absolutely flew by and we were so lucky with the weather because two out of the three courts were outside and of course good old England you never know what's going to happen but it stayed dry um and yeah it was just an amazing amazing atmosphere wow very so, tiring yeah I can imagine <laughs> and it's like it also you've got doubly the thing of the adrenaline you know when you organize an event yeah. there's adrenaline but playing in it as well you know it must have been absolutely crazy so just yeah. remind us how much you made um for your t- netball tournament um I, I'm not sure of the exact total because I believe there was a few direct donations to the charity yeah. as a result of the day but um there or thereabouts, about three thousand three hundred pounds. Yeah, which just 
blew me away. A massive chunk of that was on raffle tickets. Again, the amount of people that supported on the day just by coming and helping, volunteering their time, selling raffle tickets, the businesses that donated, I was just completely overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, a huge amount of that was was solely in raffle tickets and some very generous donations as well. Yeah. It's really funny, isn't it? Whenever, like, when we ever when we do when we organise things uh, such similar things ourselves, is it's always even in the sort of crisis, financial crisis that we're in mm-hmm. at the moment, people still, if they can't give money, they give their time. Yeah. Companies, you know, local companies are always sort of re- really keen to support. And I'm like you, I'm kind of like blown away by once you ask and you explain what the charity is for and why you're doing it, how generous people are with their time and their money and where they can be it's sort of in businesses as well. Yes. Yeah. It does take your breath away. It does. I, it, I know that feeling when you're kind of like, you know, but the money raised, I mean, 3K for us, that allows us to give um, sort of about, 400 430 hours of training for specialist cancer nurses wow that's so amazing if, if, if you actually think about it like that it, that is such that makes such a massive difference you know and the nurses that we the nurses that we um train are part of um a part a part of a cancer unit and a lot oh. of the nurses um because they're scrub nurses because they're working in a theater mm-hmm. they actually in the when we when we've spoken to them They've sort of said it's fantastic because this training gives them an insight into actually what's happening. You know, actually, instead of just being sort of part party to it, that they actually know what's happening and what the outcome is for the patient. Yeah. Um, so it makes a great difference to not only to the team but to them personally in, in terms of knowing about the patient and what's happening to the patient. So it's it, mm-hmm. it's going to make just such a massive difference um, for for our nurses. So thank you, thank you so much. So I guess the next question is. Well, one is no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If you first of all, I think it's actually really important. What advice would you give to someone going through a similar experience? Because I, um, I actually spoke to someone about this yesterday, and and was saying that quite often for the loved one of the patient, it's such a hard experience to go through this sort of diagnosis and and then to have lost your loved one as well. What what advice might you give someone who might be going through that? Gosh, I think everybody's different, aren't they? Um, and everyone reacts differently and in in the very you know in the moment, and you don't know how what type of person you're going to be in that situation. Um, I think it's it's that's it's just that that support, that love, that being there. Um, and it is it is hard because often there is very little you can you can do. Um, but again, the cliches of, you know, be there, live every moment um, as best you can um, and listen. Mm. I think that is, you know, really important, especially I think when the person involved, you know, they're being told a lot by doctors. There's so much information overload for them. Yeah. It can be, you know, so overwhelming with with all the information and treatment and and everything it's it's about them being listened to about what they want yeah. and how they want to, to to live their life whether that's you know for 10 years or for 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 10 months yeah um and just being there yeah it is that talking isn't it and it's it's just that 
being open on that, especially you know as a family. My mum passed away earlier on this year, um, and she had she had dementia, and um, but she had, her passing was actually really quickly. But we did loads of talking as a family. Yeah, you know, my sister, same as you, just my sister and I and my dad, and then we did loads of talking afterwards about it, about how we were all dealing with it and and mm. and and felt about it, and we still talk about it, you know, even now, and it's sort of. It, that was in January that happened and sort of, you know, 12 months later, we still talk about it and um, and talk about mum. Um, so if the other thing is, is if any list, listeners are listening to this and thinking uh, they might be mad if they're thinking about a, a tournament, but if they're thinking of running um, their own sort of fundraising uh, campaign on our behalf, mm. um, what do you what advice have you got? Don't, don't say don't do it. <laughs> Oh, no, no, absolutely go for it. Um, and as I discovered, friends are key. And when they say and offer their help, take them up on it. Yeah. Um, you know, you might want to do it on your own, but your friends will want to help you and let them definitely. Um, but no, go for it. And as I said, you know, I was blown away by the support of of local businesses and, and the players and the, t- you know, every, everybody that played a part, I was blown away. And I'm, I've done a bit in the past, as I said, but I'm not very good at asking for, for money or asking for things. But, you know, I did. And it was, you know, it, it was amazing. And any money that you raise for any charity, anybody out there, you are doing a great thing so absolutely just go for it go for it i should say actually say as well is that we actually as a charity we offer financial support to get these things going so yeah you know um if you talked about venue and stuff like that you know we will we'll pay for all of those things for people to sort of do the fundraising so it is um kind of the profit that you make so if anyone's out there listening and they're thinking oh i'd quite like to do something like that um, something similar we do actually offer sort of bursary for um, people to fundraise for us but anyway I want to say to you Nikki and to your mum who I had the fortunate of meeting mm-hmm. fortunate meeting your mum actually um, recently to say happy Christmas to you both if I don't speak to you before um, and thank you so much on behalf not just of the charity but also on behalf of the patients that you are impacting um, not just by your um, fundraising but also by just talking to us about all of this today and I know it's difficult because it's so fresh and new for you so thank you very much Nikki and we hope to speak to you again soon thank you very much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure I hope you enjoyed that please share this to help raise awareness and if you'd like any further information about head and neck cancers do visit our website hncf.org.uk